0: On to It's one of the feeder streams that goes into the, one of the main um, areas in the borough itself. Um, so we're going down the streamway here. On the inside, you've got a, a set of thermals, um, which you'll wear, a full set of thermals. Uh, outside that, like what I'm wearing here is, is um, uh, neoprene socks, and they go just above my knees, I just to keep my feet warm. The levels of, cave, of water in caves aren't, isn't, isn't, just tend not to be very high in, in Ireland, um, and also it makes it more, more easy to move around with, rather than wearing a full neoprene suit. So outside of that, then I wear a furry suit, which is, uh, which is made of um, fleece. And outside that, again, then I've got uh, a PVC suit which keeps me partially warm from, and, and also dry as well from the drips and that, and some of the, the flow of water though, that will take me down. I wear rubber gloves, um, I wear knee pads um, to keep my knees um, from, uh, from getting hurt when, I, when I'm on my knees, and also I wear Wellington boots as well. On my head, then I've got a um, helmet, and on my helmet, I've got a lamp. In this particular case I have an electric lamp and uh, it has an LED bulb and also has uh, an incandescent bulb as well um, and uh, they're worked off of a battery which I have on the side of me here which I carry on a belt and this battery here will give me about 11 hours of light though with the uh, LEDs I'd probably get a lot more than that I'd never actually checked enough. but normally the sort of caving you do in Ireland you do uh, in probably 3, 4, 5 hours so you're not really stretching the there the, the back of <laughs> 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 As you go down through, this is a very vertical section, in fact a lot of the caves here in the burn are, are vertical form and that's where the water has seeped down through the cracks in the limestone and, and just basically it, um, it, it's eroded it away um, and, and dissolved it away in fact because it's the acid in the water um, coming down through the ground which it picks up uh, uh, through the atmosphere and that and also in the grasses above it and that uh, make it very acidic. and of course, limestone is alkaline, uh, so you find the reaction between the acid and the alkaline causes the alkaline rock to dissolve and forms these caves here, these vertical cave systems. This would be typical of a cave in Clare, where you get a lot of uh, vertical, vertical features along sort of canyon passage and that sort of thing as well. And the, the limestone here and all the fossils that are formed, you can see there the uh, the sponges that would have been there many, many, many millions of years ago and been laid down in a much harder rock. and They're almost forming like little ledges that are coming out from the side of the, of the cave as well. And Sometimes we as cavers would use these to navigate through the caves and be able to stand on them and, 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 and walk along them as well because um, they're much, much harder than the surrounding limestone. They stick out a lot more because of the high silica content in them. The, the height here, where the cave we're in at the moment is about uh, four meters high, but you can get caves that are very much higher than this, maybe 15, 20, 25, 30 meters uh, in, in terms of passageway. Um, but we'll be going on, the, the, you'll find that the, the cave varies enormously as we go through it and we get much greater variation in height and even in width as well.
1: debris has been just caught on a section of rocks, leaves and brambles and bits of ferns off of the pine needles off the trees in the forest.
0: What well, sometimes happens here as well is you see them up in, in, in the roof of the, of the cave and it's indicative of the height that the, the water can get to in a flood condition. So it's not a place you want to be in, in, in uh, when, it's, uh, when it's raining outside or high, the high water levels. Inside And there have been cases of people being caught inside in caves and that as well um, for periods until the uh, water levels subside and they can get back out again. Um, We're quite lucky here in Clare because there are uh, most of the caves that are are well known and where there is a flood hazard uh, that will be uh, well known as well and just to stay out of those particular areas. Um, And normally Neighbors wouldn't go into them in situations like that anyway. Only the unsuspecting. As the water passes over the rock, it has little eddy currents close by the rock itself, and it starts to erode and starts to dissolve the rock away. And, so, and it, it gives you a sort of a scalloping effect. And that's right across it, just, not just below us here, but on the walls as well, around us. And sometimes you even get it in the roof where the water has been lapping against the roof for quite a while as well. Yeah.
1: And if there was no water flowing here, you'd be able to tell from looking at these, the direction the water was flowing in.
0: The vast majority of the water in the burn area flows underground. Um, and uh, in fact there's only about two surface rivers in the burn itself and even there they can be associated with caves themselves. Um, but the vast majority of the water flows underground and so it's uh, sort of quite a wet region, very active in terms of cave development and the caves are still developing even here.
1: People, a strange way to spend a Sunday afternoon splashing around
2: in water in the dark <laughs> well the question the question is yeah. simple, I think people start caving out of curiosity and they usually go to, with a youth group or something like that or scouts or whatever and most people that cave, cave once and once only and they get wet and they get cold and they come out and they say that was great, I've done it, it's a bit like bungee jumping I don't ever want to do it again but some people get caught on to the adventure now you know, it depends who's led you on your first trip as to whether you've got adventure out of it or just cold and wet and miserable. So that's the trick, is to inspire some adventure in them the first time. out. So people that go a second and a third time, the adventure is probably what's driving them, the adrenaline the sport. After that, once that starts to wear off, people start to take an interest in the cave life, in exploring caves, in, in discovering new caves, in digging through boulder chokes and, and finding places where nobody's ever been before, geology, photography, all the sort of different things that, that that happen. But you're down to 10% of the people that have ever caved that ever go beyond three or
0: four times, I think. But it, it's one of these things that depended, very much dependent upon your first um, experiences of it. You know, if you were brought into a cave which was particularly grueling or or very, very wet and you weren't... Uh, ready for it, or you weren't dressed for it, and that sort of thing. That really has a, has a big impact, probably, on the way in which you approach caving at a later stage.
1: I can go with the, with the lads on that. and uh, Moving on from three or four trips, maybe if you're introduced to vertical features where you're doing ladder work or single rope technique, it's an
2: extra challenge, more adventure. But it uh, just leads on from there. Caving in itself is only dangerous. If you don't understand the cave, you don't understand the risks and you, and you go into the wrong cave at the wrong time when it's going to flood or you, you try vertical features without the right equipment and the right safety and so on. But the thing is that the, you know, one of the, the deepest caves in Ireland is how deep is the again? It's a 183 metres. 183 metres deep, discovered in the last 15, 20 years. And so there's more discoveries out there to be made in the Burren and exciting discoveries and relatively easy. Where we are now, we're at the top of Upper Palmer Gollum, and the passage divides into what's called Short Gallery and Long Gallery. Now, Short Gallery, you can walk to the end of it, and there's a little stream issues from a boulder choke, and we know that connects to another stream called, what is it, E1 or E2. Um, so, if if we could dig our way through there, that would make the longest through trip, where you go in one entrance and out the other, in, in Ireland, um, and that would be about uh, something like five or six kilometres, which is quite a long way in Ireland. Um the other passage, Long Gallery, is extremely tight and tortuous and I would guess that there's probably no more than 20 or 30 people ever been through there and, and none of them more than skinny, you know, so <laughs> we had a fierce battle to get through there and we had to survey it in the last couple of uh, years, but very adventurous passage and there's a lot of adrenaline pumping when you're in places like that, it's, it's a lonely spot. Um, and you're relying on yourselves and your fitness and your ingenuity. So, yeah, we
0: call them collector's items. You, you, yeah, you go in, you take a good look around as you're coming back out again, because you probably won't be back in there again. You say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're done. the first piece of flowstone we've seen. And what it is, it's, it's calcite that has deposited on the wall. And it gives us this sort of um, in, this, in this case it's like a browny white colour. The calcite is normally a white colour but the brown colour comes from minerals that have come down from the surface and this could be an iron oxide or something like that. But even here you can see some, some uh, little insects here that have, have flown in from the surface and are walking along along the, uh, the wall. So because you get moisture coming down here and it's actually an amount of water that's flowing over the surface, with that, then you'd have some foodstuffs that would be coming in here as well. So you find some insects that might find their way in here. And um, there, there is a sort of a chain that, um, um, that, that you find where, where other animals or insects will come in to feed on these. In fact, you can find some frogs in, in, in lots of caves you know, that are feeding quite happily. Uh, down here. Mind you they they might have a difficulty in trying to get back out again but, but they are living down here. This again is like the flowstone that we saw earlier. Um, but these now have, they're much more fluted. In fact, they're forming limestone curtains, what we call curtains. And even at the end here, you can see some, what we call pig's ears, because they just take that shape. They're like seashells. They are, but they, they, I suppose they look like that, yes, and where they're carved over here, particularly. But they can hang on their own as well and that's where you get this pig's ear effect.
1: has changed dramatically to about 10 meters above our head. There's no opening up there. No. No way to the surface there.
0: And here again, Peter, we have some even more formations here. This is, again, the flowstone that we've seen before. But, but, but down, down here, we've got these... What these look like, it's like a little mini landscape of, of paddy fields. As the water has, has, has moved down over this rock, it's formed little calcite dams, and these dams are holding back the water. And sometimes inside in these, in fact, you'll get what, what, what we call cave pearls. And basically, they're a little bit of silica or some bit of sand that's come down, and the, um, the calcite starts to form... Uh, on them, and as they get rolled by the by the water, it can actually form small little balls that look we call cave pearls. There's not any of those here particularly, but we do see these little cauliflower effects. And again, our calcite has it been has it been worn. The, the flow isn't isn't particularly great here, but it looks like a scene from Southeast Asia or something like that, doesn't it? With all these little, yeah. the little best describe
1: it is like terrace fields like the tea plantations that you'd see in India.
0: Yeah, that's right. Or even paddy fields in, in, in Indonesia and just like that as well. But but it, the, if there's a bit of this that would remind me of the seashore. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the rock pools that you get on the seashore, and that you can do that as well, for the action of the water on the rocks themselves. But what this is, is in fact, is that the, the water, as it comes in here, has a calcite in it and that calcite uh, begins to be deposited and it forms these little dams here. So these pools are being formed by the, uh, 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 by the, the calcite that's, depo- that's in the water itself and being left behind rather than the erosion effect that you're talking about in the sea where the rock gets, gets, gets worn away and uh, pools are left behind.
2: guys. don't see any particularly special. Well, oh, there's one, look. See, it looks like the spine of an animal, but in fact it's a piece of seaweed, effectively. Yeah. Another one there, coming all the way through. The age of this rock is, what, uh, uh, I don't know, 250 million years,
0: something like that. So they're quite old. <laughs> there's a dog I was talking to you about earlier, Peter. This little a fella. Um, he'd been, um, you might we started life inside here possibly. And uh, it had to be able to live on what gets washed into the cave as well. very um, yeah. so good, we go. I got this one. These are very very delicate though because the side walls of
2: these doors are very very thin, which is why we don't tend to bring too many people in here mm-hmm. because one person put a hand on that and it's broken mm-hmm. and it's gone forever
0: tend to wear gloves inside here and this is to do two things, to protect your hands but also to protect the calcite formations because the natural oils in your in your skin if they get on it, that can actually hinder the growth of the formations themselves, the alien to them. Mm-hmm. So these are the pools here that we were talking about, are called gower pools. I don't know why they're given that name, you know? See some of the fossils here on the wall. Uh, see the star-shaped fossil here. There's some some here as well. Um, circular type crinoids. The crinoids, that's right. And so you find, I mean, not not on all all caves uh, walls will you see them so so easily. But if you splash a little bit of water on it here and rub it, you see there the star. It's almost like the bottom of a mushroom, the underside of a mushroom, there. And that would have been early plant life and that, that has found its way to the bottom of the sea, gets compressed, and formed the limestone that we have today uh, over nearly all of Ireland. In fact, I think the only county you're able to find, to not find limestone, is, is Wicklow, which is predominantly granite. But you've got uh, limestone under most of, most of Ireland, and so there's potential there for caves in a lot of different areas. Okay.
1: This is very low ceiling here. You can see the
0: chert layer again. We've got a chert layer above us this time. Um, and you can see the limestone actually through it in patches where, where the chert has broken away. Um, so the chert is a black, blacky colour. And uh, also you can see some... Um, high silica some, content. Yeah, the high silica content in it. And you can, you can see the, the beads of moisture in it. And there's, 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 even down here, in the low light that we have here, you can see uh, this, this, these green patches as well. Almost like a lichen um, that's that, that, that's growing down here, very low light.
1: something living.
0: Yeah, that's right. So even down here in, in poverty, almost like a sterile environment, you'll still find find something constantly eroding away, constantly dissolving. And uh, yeah, what happens over a very, very long period of time, we wouldn't probably notice much change in our lifetime at all. Carry on. If you look at a, um, a lot of the caves in the burn, were originally um, um, looked at by the Spe- Bristol Speleological um, Society uh, from the University of Bristol, and um, they uh, mapped a lot of the caves um, and, uh, around here. And it was, it was they really who, I suppose, set off caving in Ireland. Caving wouldn't have been very popular before that period of time I at all. Coleman wrote a book of all the caves
2: all over Ireland, but he really only wrote about the big ones and the popular ones. Mm. And then Martel came to Ireland at some stage in, in the 19th century, didn't he, he? was a mm. famous French caver, yeah. Um, he yeah, did, did a lot of work, and in, in, in fact, marble did a lot of work in
0: marble arch system and that in, in, uh, in Northern Ireland and Fermanagh. Um, so there's been a lot of research done through the years but uh, um, I suppose it was it would have been fairies and, and banshees that would have kept people out of caves in Ireland and it was just the fear of the unknown and the possibility that it was a gateway to the other world. You know? Yeah, the Caves of the Wild Horses, which is in Kilcornie which uh, just above um, Bally, uh, Bally Vaughan. That, um, th- th- those caves there, lovely, lovely caves but nobody would really go in there and supposedly one night there was uh, somebody saw some wild white horses coming out of there from which it got its name, the Caves of the Wild Horses.
2: Yes, that's an interesting cave system because it's got no stream going into the entrance normally and um, there's an underground river system somewhere connected to that although we, you know, we haven't found it, nobody's found it yet but when there's a big flood up on the mountains um, the water going through that underground cave system on its way down towards Correfin would would rise the water level and the cave would start to flood from the bottom up so all the air in the cave comes out through the entrance, which is quite small. So you can almost imagine there'll be a situation as the water reached the cave entrance where there's still a lot of trapped air, rather like in a, in a lemonade bottle, and water coming out at the same time. I could imagine it would spray out, and that might be where that story came from as well, because it make—it certainly makes a wailing noise, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you've
2: got white horses in the sea as well. And white horses okay. in the sea, yeah. yeah so, so it so could so be that kind of effect as all the, the water from the bushes okay. over the okay.
0: You you begin to use all of your body to move around. That be your elbows, your knees. You tend to wedge with your body as well as you're going through. And over time, you develop a sort of a system, I suppose, of being able to move in the cave more fluidly. And that and that's probably you know we probably are no fitter than yourself really. Yeah. But but what we have developed over the years is is is, is a way in which to move in a cave, and, and with confidence as well. And, and, and so because we wouldn't have maybe the same apprehension as you would have coming through it for the first time, you know. Um, so I think that makes that makes the difference. There are sections of this cave. Where, um, um, which are very, very, very big. Um, you know, it could be five metres, six metres across. Big, big f- enough for a double-decker bus. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But then there are sections as well that are that are narrow. And I think what you find with claustrophobia, uh, uh, people with claustrophobia, one, uh, they, they wouldn't come near it. But those that do would come near it would find solace and security in, in other people around and with them at the time. And it's a matter of just giving them support.
1: Yeah, but I've only had the experience once of somebody turning back the cave entrance. And we've taken a number of people underground and only once. And that could have been a fear of, of many things. It's it just a fear be of be the unknown in many cases. It could have been even just crossing the bog into the cave. Mm, mm. Yeah. One of the biggest areas within this streamway.
0: Um, it's an Avon and would have been it's a a, what? an Avon, it's called. Um, probably getting its name from the Church haven. Um, large area, um, lots of stalactite formations, lots of cauliflower formations on the roof there. Given that name because they look just like cauliflower. And you can also see right next to it, then you can see these very unusual shapes in the ceiling. And they were formed by water lapping up against the surface, uh, the undersurface, eroding it away preferentially in different places, and so you've got these weird and wonderful shapes on the on the on the surface of the ceiling. It's the first time you can stand straight up for a <laughs> while. It yeah. is indeed, yeah.
2: <laughs> well back where our data logger is, the roof is actually twelve meters above us. So, you know, yeah. you don't feel that height.
0: No, because you're contorted yeah. this
2: sideways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But,
0: in fact, it's quite a long way Okay. It's quite pretty the next section. So, you can see the way the, 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 the passageway contours around. And what you're seeing here, really, is it's, it's like a it's like a river underground. And so you get your oxbow formations and that just you like you would in a, on, on the surface. And you've got dry sections of cave. Like here, now, we're in a very dry section of the cave and we're just after leaving the streamway and that's gone off into another another direction. But we'll regain it again afterwards. So we're in an oxbow at the moment. You can feel a slight bit of a draught here as well. It's a bit cooler than where Yeah. Yeah so you get the air that's been passed through channelled through the cave it, it, it it's it as it's, it's been accelerated. A, a thinner area, yeah, you get a, a venturi effect and it, it passes on through at a much faster rate here. And so also but also as you can see there this cobweb here is, is blowing in the wind. I see it there. Yeah. yeah. And then um, so this could also be indicative of that there's an entrance quite close as well. Um so you get new air coming into the cave, and so you'd have a warm air and cold air coming together. And it's really the first time we've been out of water. It is indeed, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you've got a of this, this shady sort of almost a like gravelly-like material on the, on the not, base. Not for here. Long, though. So the cave canyon sort of meanders around here, and that's what we're doing, we just yeah, and it's quite narrow, it's only about a foot and a half wide at this stage. It's constantly going down, further down, as they go further underground.
2: You might have noticed Tom goes at the front. Yeah. And this is because this particular cave is famous. <laughs> Absolutely famous because of the cat spiders. Now, cat spiders are rare enough in the burren, but you do find them in this cave, and th- they live off cats. And as you can imagine, you don't normally see many cats in the cave. So these guys are generally pretty hungry. Whenever they see anything moving, they go for it. So that's why we put Tom at the front. He's well used to beating them off.
1: OK, Tom, move on. Um, just a small bedding thing. Another a three-metre crawl, which doesn't look like the obvious way on because there's a big passage to our left, but it is the crawl it. It's just a short crawl and it's about a metre and a half of a climb down at the end of it. So bear with the noise and the
0: grunting as we get through this. Um, we'll make sure you leave Tom go through first because the cat spider is dangerous. If you can swing around there, i get your feet in there so that you can pass the
1: microphone to you. And you
2: can grab it the camera.
1: All right. Unfortunately, the way it is on is the lower
0: section to my right now. Of course. You can see here why we, um, we sometimes wear knee pads here. That's where it gets nice and safe. I know the passageway is about a foot height. But it's quite wide. It's made
1: if I gun over that rock, you won't get wedged. You won't right. get wedged. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this is not enough for the watershed.
2: Careful where you step into the big hole here. When you come here in a moderate flood, there's water coming in through this streamway here. And where we've just come down, it's coming through there two or three inches deep. So when you come in here from below, the whole place is really loud. You know, a sort of roar of waterfalls, and it's quite dramatic. Today it's very, very quiet. So if we're all just really quiet. Cavers would say never cave alone okay and the reason is that, that it really for anybody that's less than very experienced it's it's not good um, you always reckon if you sit very very quietly and you just listen the first thing you hear are the drips and the stream moving but if you think about it the stream should be fairly regular so if it's making a little tinkle 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 noise it should be fairly constant but there's always a pebble that moves suddenly for no reason and as you sit there quietly listening, you you think you can hear voices, and you think, "Oh, well, that's nice." There's a group coming along with a leader. Perhaps there are some scouts or some young people from an outdoor education centre. And and you listen some more, and you can always hear them. You can never make out what they're saying, and they don't seem to be getting any closer. They're like murmurs. And when we bring young people underground, like students and so on, we always tell them that it's the souls of lost children, and that usually shuts them up and keeps them together. <laughs> they don't wander off after that. But it can be quite disturbing if you're not used to it. Um. But generally, as a rule, I would say to everybody: don't go underground alone.
0: right section of the cave here, and a small amount of water, very small amount of water Very the very bottom here, it's very narrow, and all of the time we're going down, Here's a series of steps coming down, all the time getting closer to what would be termed as the exit out of this cave.
1: You can feel it on your face, but the air is getting colder again. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, we can
1: see daylight just above our face. A fairly severe drop here. Watch yourself. Yeah, I'm all
0: right. You can use your body as a as wedge. A, sunlight, a wedge, uh, You see here as the sunlight comes through the, the roof of the cave here.
1: And this is the end of the line. That's the Pallnagullam main entrance. Uh, in flood conditions you normally see water. If you were going into the system, you'd be dropping underneath a waterfall which would be coming out of this river and walking underneath it to go into the system. So we're looking out into the, into
0: the, sort of the secondary park here in Pallnagullam. The, the main pot is in this area up here, yeah. and um, there's a secondary pot down here. But normally in flood conditions, you'd have water thundering out of here, and we wouldn't be able to stand where we are now at the moment at all. You can see all the mosses that are growing on the wall, uh, ferns and that as well. Um, a lot of plants kind of like this sort of moist Just environment. up here is a, another
1: passage that we could come out we call Baker's Rift, which brings us out in and looks over the same thing. It's just a small, diff- different tib- tributary.
0: The story goes that uh, the D.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote Lord of the Rings, was supposed to have holidayed quite regularly in Fenore, um, which is just uh, just below us here uh, on the coastline of Clare, in, uh, looking out into uh, Galway Bay. And uh, he heard, seemingly, about Paul the Gollum. Now, Paul the Gollum means the whole of the doves. But Gollum, he was fascinated by and uh, used the name, supposedly, in, uh, in his uh, trilogy for Gollum, the cave dweller. That's how I suppose to have got his name. Have you, any of you ever been
1: in one of these where you didn't think you'd see gay
0: life?
1: <laughs> I've actually had a group in, in this cave before, uh, bringing them out. And when you get to the pot, there's a, another cave, another entrance at the far side. And the group continued out, got as far as here, went through the little crawl and continued into the cave again, not realising that we were outside. Yeah, it, it was just light. one of those black nights.
0: There are definitely are sections of this cave, uh, of the Golem cave, where it would be quite easy to get lost in, particularly in the lower reaches of the cave, which is an area called the maze. And in the past we've had people who have been lost inside there and the Irish Cave Rescue have had to go in there and and to uh, to bring them back out again
1: The air in here before we go back out and when you get back out onto the surface smell the, the air and the feel of the air and you'll see the, the big difference between the air in here and the air outside.
0: Right, here we are. So, this we'll is the ladder here, that you came down. <laughs> all those hours ago. All those hours ago, that's right. So the trick is to go back up again. And like all good things, we've kept the worst to last. <laughs>